Okay, Stoney, what's next? Do you want to talk about... Well, we can talk about... Well, let's see, what can we go into? We could go into... Do you want to maybe move now uh, into some of the uh, scary TV movies? I was just going to say that. That was what I landed on. So take it away, Stoney. Take it away. Well, why don't you start off with some of the ones that were most memorable and, and scary to you? Well, um... That they're really scary. They're really not scary, scary anymore when you watch them, but they can be scary and they're just atmospheric and fun and really quick. They're not like um, great, but they're fun. One was Crowhaven Farm. Did you ever see that one? No, I never saw that. No, I never saw that one. I've heard of it, of course, but I've never seen it. No. New Cube, New Cube. It stars Hope Lang and Paul. Jeez, Paul. I don't remember his last name. Uh, he was in Valley of the Dolls. He did some a lot of stuff. And, Paul Burke? He, Paul Burke, that's it. He was also in Thriller. He was in a lot of stuff. But he's in that with uh, Hope Lang. And they inherit this place in Salem, Massachusetts, or in Massachusetts, where there were witch trials. And it's really creepy. And atmospheric wind, woo the whole nine. And reincarnation and all this stuff. So uh, it was an ABC TV movie of the week. And they had a lot of really good ones. I do watch them. Uh, I will link you guys up with some of the really good 70s movie of the week um, channels on YouTube. And check them out, because there are really some that will entertain you, that's for sure. How about you, Well, I guess probably the most famous would be the uh, one, The Night Stalker. Yes. With Darren McGavin. Yes. He was great. Why don't you tell everybody about that one? Well, that's about a vampire in the loose in Las Vegas. (laughs) And uh, Darren McGavin begins to discover there's a supernatural element behind these murders that are taking place in Vegas. Nobody believes him, of course, and he takes it upon himself to hunt down the vampire, played excellently by Barry Atwater, who was also, I mentioned in uh, one of the um, uh, episodes on uh, uh, the Twilight Zone, he was on the Monsters of Dawn Maple Street. But he plays the vampire in that one, and uh, at the end, Darren McGavin does managed to convince people a vampire exists, at least the powers that be, and destroys the vampire, but uh, they will not release it to anybody that this actually happened. So Darren McGavin is forced to leave Vegas and uh, shows up in the sequel called The Night Strangler, which is about uh, an immortal who's killing people to stay young and alive. In Seattle. Um, In Seattle, thank you. And then, of course, the whole thing evolved into the TV series, The Night Stalker, which Outside of a few episodes, really was kind of a misfire, I think. For one thing, the whole concept is unbelievable that he was constantly running into monsters or supernatural beings. You know, it's kind of like uh, yeah. this kind of stretching, stretching belief, believability a little bit. But he was always good. Darren McGavin still was great in the part. And uh, But it was, like I say, it was a series that I don't think really should have been made. Now, I saw, like, I think I saw about two of them. They had him on the Roku channel, and they're boring. But I just want to say, did you notice with the Night Stalker and Night Strangler, it's usually go-go dancers, cocktail waitresses, always women who are getting yeah, killed. Right. And they're walking home <laughs> in the sense that they're walking home on the Vegas Strip when they you know three women have already been murdered. And they're wearing, you know, they're wearing their mini skirts. And it's always these women <laughs> who are getting murdered night after night. And it's like, take warning, Tootsies. Don't you read the paper? Nobody talks about it at your cocktail bar where you're topless dancing. What's up, honey? But they always do that. It, it's never like the nun or... A secretary or anybody, and it's never oh. a man. It's always the women who get murdered by these fiends. These fiends. That's correct. <laughs> and it is on. Yeah, you kind of. 
it's, it's, yeah, it's called suspension of disbelief. You know? so, well, for all of them, we have to do it. But it just, it, you know, they're they're funny and scary-ish. You know what I mean? They're just fun to watch, basically. They're not going to make you, you know, uh, check your closet and under your bed. But they're fun. They're kind of, you know, oh, Carol Lindley was in the one where she played his girlfriend in the night um Night Stalker, and you might remember Carol. She did a lot of stuff, but she was, I think, most famous for Poseidon Adventure, right? No, Poseidon Adventure, yes. That's what I would say, definitely, yeah. 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 So those were good. You mentioned, which I just saw, I didn't watch the doll one because I hate that one, but I watched a Trilogy of Terror. Well, you did see that one. I just watched okay. it last week. It's on, on New Cube, everybody, yeah. They did. They did two versions. They did the original, and then he, I think they did a remake, which was really not as good as the original was. But that's an. I'll never forget I'll, my story behind that. Is I was watching that on a Saturday night, late night show, and there's three episodes of Terror. Apparently, all Karen Black. Two, all Karen Black. Okay, no, no, we're talking about. Okay, no, we're talking about trilogy of terror with. Okay, the Karen Black episode about the. All the of doll. them. They're all in it. Karen Black plays all three stories. Uh, that's right. Okay. No, I was thinking. I was thinking of Dead of Night, which is kind of a follow up to that one. But anyway, yeah, we could talk about uh, talk about the Karen Black episodes. Yes. Again, that was one where the first two were kind of iffy, but the last one, I think, uh, I think a lot of people still talk about that as being one of the more frightening episodes uh, our, our TV movies ever made. It's creepy, but kind of, it kind of makes me laugh a little bit, and because um, it's so kind of goofy. But yeah, it's kind of goofy. <laughs> but it is, I guess for its time. It was terrifying, but um, I don't know. Eve, I I didn't see it first run. Um, I saw it years later, and I didn't. You know, to me, it was not that great. But Karen Black is Karen Black. You got to watch it and check it out. Stony really likes it. It's got a good ending to it, but uh, it's um, again like it's. It, at its time, it was probably a lot more effective than it is. See, that's the problem. A lot of these things that we talk about, we have our memories of first seeing them, and they were scary at the time, and some still can, you know, in, in, in thought bring back a chill or something. But you know, for people to watch them today for the first time, you know, the way audiences are, having seen so much, you know, maybe they're somewhat jaded, they wouldn't have the same effect, I don't think. But they're entertaining, and, uh, you know, they're just something to watch. That's not going to gross you out. And it's sort you know, it's nostalgic and it's entertaining to see the 70s stuff. It's like, wow. And, you know, the groovy do's and, you know, the, the go-go boots and the whole nine. It's cool. And they're they're basically fun. And, and they're a lot of really creepy if you if you watch some. But they're not going to, you know, like I said, you're not going to check under your bed or your closet to see no. if Boogeyman is there. Because he is. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> of course, that's a monster. <laughs> yeah. Another one um, you probably didn't see, but a lot of old Hollywood actresses. Betty Davis was in about three of the movies of the week. One is Scream Pretty Peggy with uh, Betty. And Ted Bessel or Bissell, he, you can catch him on, um, geez, what was that? That girl. That girl, exactly. Yes. And he plays, he's very ahead of his time. He's sort of, I'm not going to, because I'm ruining it, but it is also on New Cube. And um, Betty, he plays his mom, uh, Sean, uh, somebody, Sean Barbara Allen, she plays a college student who makes 75 cents an hour. Can you believe that? 75 cents an hour to work a couple hours. She's a college student and she's making this money. Jessica Rains, Claude Rains' daughters in it briefly as well. But it, it's, 
it's good and it's creepy. Um, but and it's Betty's in it. She's not the big star. She's also in um, gee, no, you know who did a lot of them? Barbara Stanwyck. And Barbara Stanwyck number. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, right. A Taste of Evil. Did you ever see that one? No, I don't think so. No, no. Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, the. Barbara Parkins, the one from Valley of the Dolls, and Roddy McDowell, and it's really creepy. And Barbara, bad Barbara, bad Barbara, bad. She was bad. <laughs> she was very bad in this. A Taste of Evil, it's very good. Also, did you ever see the one, The House That, what the heck was the name of it? The House That Wouldn't Die. Barbara's in it, but she's good Barbara. And the girl who was in The Exorcist, Kitty Wynn, is that her name? She was in The Exorcist. Yes, Kitty Wynn, yeah. Yes, she's in this. She plays, I think, Barbara's niece. And that handsome devil, what's his name? He's really handsome in summer, summer place with, geez, he's so good looking. I can't think, I think he's good looking, ruggedly handsome. Richard Egan? Yes, he's in that too. And he, he, yes. he and Barbara kind of, you know, have a little fling-a-ding-ding and it's really cute. And, but it is not as scary as some of them, but just for historic purposes and also just kind of check it out. It's fun. And it's on New Cube as well. Um, and what to you is the scariest thing you've ever seen on TV? Oh, that's a tough question. I know I, I have an answer for that. Well, I, I kind of mentioned the one on Hitchcock, uh, the life work of Juan Diaz, which at the time really terrified me. But uh, is there anyone that kind of stays with you today that you saw, be it a TV movie or uh, an episode of one of the uh, anthology shows that just kind of stay with you today and still can send a chill up your spine? Well, a lot still just uh, send a chill up my spine, but I can't think of one. I just, that's a good question, but I can't think of a, I don't really have a great answer. There are a bunch that just kind of chill me a little bit, but you know, even the unlocked window creeps me out because it's, it's not supernatural. It's about um, maniacs, homicidal mm-hmm. maniacs. And that kind of scares me, homicidal maniacs. So that one sticks out and, I don't know. I I just, mm, there's a bunch. Okay, tell us yours, Stone. Okay, I do, actually, actually, like I say, I do have one that uh, that it is supernatural. Yeah, it's another one uh, in those uh, made-for-TV anthologies uh, made by the same guy who did Trilogy of Terror, Dan Curtis, who was the force behind the uh, Dark Shadows soap opera back in the day. <clears throat> he did a follow-up called Dead of Night. Now, it's three three stories in the in the in the in the, story, in the film. The first two are pretty forgettable. In fact, when I first watched it, uh, I was watching the first one. Okay, so what? Number two, uh, not so great. I think I'm gonna go to bed. Then the third one came on, and it's another one uh, written by that great the great my favorite Richard Matheson, and it's called Bobby. And I mention this a lot to people. They, even on some of the sites I belong to, they talk about scary stuff. I say you got to catch this one. And it's all about a mother whose son drowned, and she's living alone in a seaside house. And her son, I don't want I think, again, it's one of those ones I don't want to give away too much, but uh, she wants him to come back. She wants him to, to come back to oh, her. Oh, like the monkey paw, and, the monkey's paw. It, you know, it's similar. It actually is kind of similar to that. And But, the, again, the results are, I'd say it's so tempting to want to give away the ending because it's so good, but I don't want to. I think I think you can check it out on, on, on Q, that, you know, that place. <laughs> I think the, I think it's on there. And I really would recommend that because it is, it is scary. I remember uh, after that ended, I had to sit up for a while and think about 
stuff before I went to bed because it did have an effect on me at the time. And I was I was a teenager then, so I mean, I wasn't like some young kid. It just has a very creepy ending, and the, the final scene is is the stuff nightmares are made of. I've seen it. Oh, is this the one? Um, which one? I watched that movie. Uh, it's 1977. There is a Dead of Night that was made, I think, in 1945. That's a good movie as well. But the one Stone's talking about was made in 1977. And they have three stories, I remember, by her dead son, who she has brought back to life, the mistress. Yeah, right. it's really good. I watched that as well. Yeah, I know what one you're talking about. And the last one, is that the one that scares you with a little boy? That's the one I think that, yeah, because I would, like I say, I was going to go to bed after the first two episodes. I thought, yeah, nothing really much out of these. I stayed up to see the third one and kind of caught my interest off the, right off the bat. And I was watching, it was a late, late night. It was probably a late one o'clock in the morning or something like that. And that final scene, okay, that got me, you know, so sat up for a while afterwards. Maybe had I watched in the light of day, it wouldn't have been so effective, but it was a dark night mm-hmm. and watching that and the final scene there, what happens. Yeah. Joan Hackett was I, in that. She did a lot of, she played Bobby's mother and there's a kid named Lee H. Montgomery. He was in Burnt Offerings. That, He's a child actor and he played Bobby. Very good. He's from one of, yes. He's from my city, actually, the Montgomery's. Him and his sister, who was also an actress, I she can't remember her tons, name. She did Belinda. Belinda. Belinda Montgomery. She did yeah, tons of stuff. Yeah, Lee Montgomery. He yeah. Was, uh, thanks. He played, the, he played Bobby in that episode, in that uh, film. Yes, right. And I just saw Burnt Offerings, which is also on New Cube. And um, it's really good as Betty Davis and him, Karen Black, uh, Oscar, Oliver Reed. Cutie, cutie. Yeah, Oliver Reed has a very good scene in that movie. He's <laughs> great. It's really creepy. Um, but... That's good. Also, there's one. It's not really creepy, but it's fun. It's it's The Devil's Daughter, which stars Belinda Montgomery, Shelley Winters, who can't love her. We love her. She's over the top. And Shelley, she's fab. And Abe Vigoda, who play who is he still alive? <laughs> they all said no, Abe just, Vigoda, he finally he finally left us after after many years of rumors that he was gone. He actually did finally uh, leave the room. Wasn't he like 25 when he did Barney? No, I don't know. He was in his 40s and he looked like he was 70. I think that's what people thought. But he was in this He movie. was one of those actors who always seemed to be the same age, no matter what you know what, what age he was. Kind of like, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the uh, I can't think of his name right now. I have a brain fog or something. But, uh, oh, he's a great actor. Oh, Louis Calhoun, who always looked to be his same age. I'm trying to think of Louis Calhoun. Was that, this is uh, the guy, the tall guy? Tall guy, and he was in the Asphalt Jungle, played the. Uh, oh, he's lawyer. wonderful! I love him. He's been in so many he's great, great actors. He's one of those guys you always just like. What's his name? The uh, the old fellow who used to be in. Um, oh, Bert Mustin. Bert Mustin always looked old. <laughs> he did. Him? You think he was dead already? A lot of women look <laughs> at look at Grandma Walton. Ellen Corby is in so many movies. I think she won. Um, don't tell, don't tell Mama. That's that's a that's a. Gay club, gay club in Manhattan. I love that club. I don't know if it's still there. Don't tell Mama. But uh, what's it called? Uh, remember Mama. It's a 1940s film, and, and Alan Mama, Korma yeah. was in it. And I think she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. But she actually looked better when she got old because she looked old when she was young. She really didn't change. You can see her in all these movies, and she looked like a, an old bag. All the time. Yeah, she was in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. She was encaged with uh, Eleanor Parker. And uh, yeah, so she, she was one of those actresses who always, yeah, looked better as she aged, but she always kind of looked like she was old. <laughs> you know, so she, if that makes any sense. Yeah, she always did. She also did one with uh, Victor Bono. 
he was always fabulous. The he died oh, the very strangler. young. Yes, and he was um, the strangler. Yeah, with Ellen Corby. You're fat and yes. you're ugly, and nobody wants you. But come home to mommy. You're fat. You're ugly. Nobody wants you. Who'd want you? You're the. She was a really horrible mother, and he became the strangler. It's very good. That's a movie. I don't know where you but, can find it, but it makes me laugh. I feel sorry. That was probably yeah. that was probably her biggest role, actually, because she always had these real small parts, yeah. and that was probably her. Her biggest role, I think, in film that she, I can remember. She was a mother from hell. She was mean as hell, and she didn't want to lose her son. You know, she was this horrible, overbearing mom. And uh, just really, you're fat, you're ugly, you're, ah, ha, ha, nobody'd want you. I mean, just really, she didn't want to lose him. She wanted him to be home with her. And he became the strangler. And he was great. He looked he looked older. Because look at him and, and um, whatever mm-hmm. happened to... Uh, Baby Jane? No, the other one, Charlotte. Oh, hush, hush, Charlotte. Yeah, he played the father in that, and I think he was only, and he also was in Baby Jane as the pianist. But um, yeah, he he always looked older. He was another actor who looked older, and I liked him a lot. I and I was sad when he died. He was very young when he died. I liked him a lot. Um, he was a great actor. Yeah, very very versatile. And of course, he played King Tut in the Batman series. <laughs> he was fabulous. He had a great sense of humor. They did an interview, and I, I was reading, you know, because I always check out people that I like if I see them in a movie or something like that. And I was reading an old interview he did. It might have been with TV Guide, and he said, "No, no, it's not. I'm not married, and it's not because I haven't found the right woman yet." You know, like they did with Liberace and all the other guys. Yeah. He's kind of pretty much saying, <laughs> "I'm gay." No, it's not just because I I'm playing straight and I didn't find the right woman yet. He didn't say that, but I just haven't found the right woman yet. So he was funny. He had a great sense of humor about it. And uh, I just loved him. He was cool. Um, back to TV. Did you ever see Night Gallery? Oh, my gosh, of course. I was going to bring that one up. Yes, yes. That, yes. that was Rod Serling as well. And that was, what, a three-story or two stories? Maybe two stories a night? Uh, well, that was a series, but don't forget they had the movie first. Oh, they yeah. Had the, that was good. With uh, Roddy McDowell and Joan Crawford and Richard Kiley, each, yeah. in, this, each in their own episode. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that was a very good, very good creepy TV movie. The first episode, of course, about the picture, the cemetery. That was really uh, creepy. That was really Exchanging good. with, you yeah. know, the... the, the the corpse in the picture is coming closer to the house all the mm-hmm. time, and it's got that twist ending. And then, of course, you got the Joan Crawford one, where uh, she's uh, gives anything to have that one uh, that, that short period of, of um, uh, eyesight because she's blind. And Tom she's Bosley totally uh, bo- because she's loaded, she's got a ton of moolah. And Tom Bosley is the one who unfortunately uh, gives her the vision. And then, of course, the big uh, ironic twist in that episode when uh, the city has a blackout shortly after she very has good. a chance. Yeah, good episode. And then, of course, the last one with Richard Kiley is a classic, too, about the, the picture. That's where he's the uh, Nazi. And uh, he keeps on going to this museum. He's, he's on the run. People are after him. And there's a picture he sees in this museum, a very peaceful picture of this fisherman on a boat. And he's just kind of mm. always drawn mm-hmm. a picture. And at the end, uh, they're cornering him. I don't know if I should give the ending away. Oh, no, it's but really he, good. Yeah, he goes up to the picture, and he's, he's begging, pleading to go into that picture. And, of course, there's a twist, which I won't give away. But, yeah, that's another one that should definitely be checked out. And, of course, from that, they did the, the, the uh, Night Gallery series. There were some really good ones and some stinkers, as with everything. Yeah, that was one of those, yeah, one of those uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call that, uh, highs and lows series. 
because uh, the scary ones were pretty scary, the ones that really worked. But then there were some that were just, uh, you know, and a lot of them weren't even really scary. They were classics, like they're tearing down Tim Riley's bar or the one with Edward G. Robinson when he's waiting for the Messiah to return. Uh, so it was, it, was an, it was an interesting series. But again, it's uh, I think at that point, anthology series were starting to lose their appeal. And uh, that was one of the last, I think. He, uh, there was one. There was one good one. I can't remember. There were some. They just scared me when I watched them. And you can catch those. I think those are on. If you got the independent uh, channel, I don't. End of IFC. Uh, you can check that out because I do have my DVR, and it sort of automatically tapes those film that show for me. And it's really, really good. Some are really good. Some are not so good, but. Um, I'm just looking at this. Melvin Douglas. There's this TV series that was that you can get on New Cube that has a oh, ghost story. He was in the movie, The Changeling. He was in Changeling, which we talked about. Um, what the heck is the name of it? Circle of Fear. Did you ever see those? Yes, I remember that series. Yes, that didn't last too long either. They have some scary ones. New Cube, New Cube. You can check them out on there. Good ones. Melvin Douglas. And then it was... And then there was Ghost Story that uh, I believe was a William Castle production, and that was another short-lived series. It was a, a you know like an anthology, but uh, can't remember too many of those episodes either. You know, it's uh, but uh, William Castle was I believe the producer of that series, and of course we you know William Castle was a great gimmick director back in the '60s. And it's so funny that he was a part of he. What what did he do? Did he produce Rosemary's Baby? Because he was in. The scene where she's at the telephone booth and he's there, like knocking on it because he wants to make a phone call. But he had something to, he might have been the producer. Was, he was the producer, but he wanted to be the director, and uh, the powers that be chose Roman Polanski instead because uh, William Castle still had that reputation of being a gimmick director, you know, right. the house and haunted and all those the things. Tingler. So they, they, yeah. You know, he, yeah, he, he owned the rights to the book, and he did want to direct it, but, that, you know, they, they, they just thought having his name attached, people wouldn't take the film that seriously, and of course, it's a very, very serious film, so they do make the right choice, I think, by getting Polanski to direct it. It's really good. I just watched it about a month ago, and um, I love it. It's such a good movie. I, you know, I'm not a great fan of Mia Farrow or John Cassavetes, but I do like <laughs> I like them in the movie, and I do love, of course, Roman and um, Minnie. There, there's some great characters in there, and it's a good movie. So, um, TV. What else, Stonies? Uh, well, uh, there was a series on. It's called Tales of the Unexpected. I believe it was. Um, Is that an '80s was, thing? Yeah, in the '80s. It was hosted by the writer Roald Dahl. I, he might have also been a producer of the show. I'm not sure. And they had some pretty creepy episodes on there as well. Uh, not again, not necessarily a lot of supernatural ones, but uh, there was one episode I think I mentioned to you when we were talking before that I really highly recommend if you can take it because it's very disturbing. It's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen on TV. It's called Flypaper. And it was on that episode, and uh, yeah, I don't want to say too much about it because that's something that you, if you want to see something that's like, scary in a disturbing way, it's it's again like you talk about the Hitchcock episodes of the unlocked window because you know things like this can actually happen. It's not the, you know into into the paranormal. This episode, the flypaper, uh, is one that uh, certainly hits the mark in that in that direction. I have to look that. You told me about that. I have to check that one out. I'm trying to see where I can 
find I it. I think you can get it on, on, on that channel. No I'm kidding. pretty sure it's on. Um, yeah, I would put that on Tales of the Unexpected, the fly paper, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's, it, it was on there. I know. I, I'm not sure if it still is or not. But uh, if it is, I would definitely recommend it. It's, like I say, it's a very disturbing episode. There are really, but it's very effective. Uh, there's some really good. What's is it? Tales from the Dark Side. You're talking about. What was the one that said you're here for Tales of the? It that was, was a, like a half an hour mo- thing. Yes, that was Tales from the Dark Side. That was a George Romero production. And uh, that also spun off into a series called Monsters that was also, I think, a Romero production there. And they were the half-hour ones. Again, like you're going into, yeah, they went into the uh, into the supernatural. I have some pretty good stories on that one. Some stinkers, but, uh, like all of them. But, you know, some, yeah. some were, you know what ones I don't like are the ones that are supposed to be, you know, like the funny ones. And you can tell by the music that they do this funny, you know, different kind of fun. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be a funny one. No, get me out. Yeah, of you could always <laughs> get me out of here. Even the Twilight Zone did some of those as well. Oh. You hear that kind of oh. music, and you know what's going to be on. Oh, this it's is going to be, be yeah, yeah, like no, uh, yeah. I don't watch those. You know oh, what I'm, I mean? They don't. They don't do it for me. Carol Burnett, Dick yeah, York, I know. other ones. I want to watch a comedy. I'll put a comedy show on. But yeah, Tales from the Dark Side has some of those. Like I say, there were some good ones, but it's, it's, it's like with anything else, you know. It's yeah, you get the, the highs and the lows, and. Uh, Nothing's ever consistent, I think. Seek and ye shall find, because there are a plethora, a treasure trove of these kind of things all over the place. And like I said, they're creepy. Some of the ones Stone and I mentioned are creepy, but they're not going to, you know, your hair is not going to turn gray from watching it or whatever. You know what I mean? They're they're not terrifying, but they're spooky-ish, spooky-esque. I think the thing that I was remember is for me to see those early shows again like especially thriller i was quite young at the time so if i did manage to stay up late or something to watch a thriller but these these would play i think at eleven thirty on one of our stations here in canada and uh if i'd stay awake to watch one or something like that at that age yeah they would they would creep you out because you know you're a young kid you're and you're impressionable whatever so they did have an effect um so I'm, I'm kind of lucky that I saw those back when I did, I think, you know, so to watch them now, it's more like a, a nice remembrance. They don't have the same scare factor, but uh, yeah, to see them at the time when they were first released, they were pretty effective and had had the desired effect on me anyway. Yeah, and what I, do, you know, they have no gore. It's not gory. It's not that kind of thing. It's more, you know, there's paranormal, but it's more what we don't see and some what we see, like the incredible Dr. Markinson, but um there, or the Grim Reaper, <laughs> because maybe at the end of the Grim Reaper, you don't see, but that it's apparent that pictures come to life. That is and, so uh, you don't see it. Yeah, it's you really You see good. the sight. It's swinging back and forth. So you kind of, your imagination is thinking, what the heck is this thing holding that? And so those things are, yeah, they they work on such a on such a good level. I linked that to you, didn't I? I sent you the the thing where they have all the episodes of Thriller. I thought oh, I sent I have them, yeah. I'm, yeah. I want to start checking. I want to start checking them out in more detail. I've watched a number of them already, but uh, yeah, I want to. I want to kind of relive my past. Let's say. Yeah, I will link you guys to a channel on um, YouTube. I can say YouTube for this. A really good guy because he has really um, nice, sort of like really obscure sort of noirs, and you know, sort of the thing we were just talking about that I'd hope wouldn't get scrubbed. So I'll link you guys to that. But I would really highly recommend you check out the Boris Karloff thrillers because they are, and you can do it on YouTube. They're very, very uh, good. There's some that are stinky. They're crime ones. They're, you know, I don't like those ones. They bore me. But um, the others are really good. 
I would say that's a series I would. That would be my number one, I think, that I would recommend. And uh, then I'd probably go to the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, I think, would be my second. I agree. And um, they're all good. There's some good ones. Twilight Zone, of course, to check it out. And uh, always something. There's something. Check out. I will link you guys to 70s movies of the week. There's some 80s movies of the week, 90s movies of the week that have some scary stuff. I will link them up for you. And you just have to, to put it into YouTube and you can find a lot if you look for, you know, like horror stories from the 70s or scary movies from the 70s. And you can check it out. You'll find so many good stuff. Um, Stone, I I am on red. So we have to talk about your Stone has new endeavors. Why don't you tell us all about it? Well, I'm very excited. I just had my most recent horror novel released last week, appropriately on Friday the 13th, which I thought was quite uh, quite a good sign. And it's uh, called Playground of the Dead and is uh, published by my new publisher, Hellbound Books, which uh, I'm very excited to be associated with. I've got a great uh, publisher I'm working with. He's very excited to have me on board, as I am to be with him. And it's the first of uh, four books I'll have coming out uh, with them. Uh, Playground of the Dead is the one I have out now, which I think is a good supernatural, scary story, uh, appropriate for the season, of course, Halloween. I loved it, Stone. Stone sent it to me, and it's sort of, you know, it has a a Stephen King-esque vibe, you know, sort of thing. Not his latest, but the earlier Stephen King, and sort of, it's a small place, not a big town. It's very good, Stone. I liked it. I'm glad you enjoyed it because, yeah, I've had a lot of nice uh, comments on a few people have read the book already. Like I say, it's still relatively new, so I haven't gotten a lot of uh, feedback on it. But I know my publisher was really happy with it, and uh, he's promoting it. Pardon me. Uh, That'll be followed up next year by two other horror novels, which is called Wendigo. And uh, the other one is called The Child of Adam, with two M's, Adam. And then I'm going into a noir book called Waking in Hell with a Hangover, which I love that title. <laughs> and I think it kind of, it, it's, a, it's a quote from the book itself, but I think it also, you know, it, it, it kind, of, kind of suits the story, I think. So it's noir but, horror, uh, yeah. right? Noir horror kind of film? Horror noir? I do not- no, it's it's not a horror at all. It's like a 40s noir. Uh, but I am working on a book now that's going to be kind of a combination of horror and noir, because that's uh, what Hellbound uh, focuses on right now, horror novels and noir novels. So I want to do one as a combination of both, which is my, my latest project. And I also have uh, two um, stories coming out in a couple of anthologies from Hellbound. And uh, one of the anthologies is called Helladays. I love that. Uh, I love that story. It's very good. It's a you got you oh, captured you. the angst of teen years, and I really liked it a lot. I thought it was. Well, oh, I appreciate. It. Yeah. And then the the other one is coming out in a compilation called Graveyard of Blood, Ooh. and that's called A Short Ride to Boot Hill, which is a horror western. So I like to combine these genres sometimes. That's why I'm having kind of fun with this new noir horror novel that I'm putting together. So yeah, I'm very excited to be with them. It's a, it's a, a, a progressive company, and uh, like I say, they're pleased to have me on board with them, as, as I am to be with them. And so, yeah, but my latest one is out now. It's available on Amazon. Uh, you can get a few Barnes & Noble. And you can also get it directly from the publisher. It's uh, anybody wants to check it out. It's at www.hellboundbookspublishing.com, 
and I believe it can be ordered directly from there. But uh, again, it's Amazon, Barnes and Noble. So I think there's other some other places you can get it from. But I'd, uh, that's uh, that's where I'm headed right now. I'm really glad, Stone, because you deserve it. You deserve a good publisher. You deserve all that stuff. Your your cover art is wonderful. Uh, you know, it's really what? I'm happy for you because you're a really I, I, good writer. Yeah, I, I do have to mention the cover art. Is I'm really really thrilled with that because. Uh, it's kind of like reminiscent of the old EC comics uh, back in the, the 1950s, you know, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. And uh, when I saw the cover, when it was sent to me, I just said right away, I thought, wow, that's Tales from the Crypt stuff. So I was really happy with, uh, with the design that the uh, artist put into that. So I'm very pleased overall with the, the whole the whole concept. I'm really happy with. And it's easier to write the the novels than the uh, biographies, right? Because you can make that up. The biographies, you really have to... Story. Well, you know, I, I've written a lot of histories and I've written biographies and, you know, that. But, uh, yeah, especially especially with a horror novel, because uh, you can let your imagination go crazy. I think it's important when you're writing a horror novel, though, you've got to maintain some sense of reality there. Uh, so you have to have characters that you believe in and uh, especially characters that you care about. And then you can put them into these crazy situations. And as long as the audience or the reader believes in the characters and that you can you can you can empathize with them or hate them whatever but they're put into this supernatural experience and then you can kind of root for those you want to survive and with those you don't want to survive you know so it's but you got it but that's quite important you have to have you have to have characters that are believable and that the reader can identify with or at least care about yeah fleshed out not just like sort of um what, what do you call it sort of uh i'm i'm lost here True. Whereas some people just skip over it. It's sort of like this person's here, this person's there without getting to know them a little bit. So you kind of flesh them out, flesh out the people a little bit, which, you know, he had plaque psoriasis. That's fleshing it out. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I think that's something people can, can kind of uh, can relate to because, you know, people who might have that, that condition. <laughs> yeah, I that know. I thought that was great. I said, I said, I said, that's fabulous. Stone has this in it and, and, you know, it's real. How real can you get? Come on. And um, I, like, I like I that. I like well. that character a lot. He was the doll. He was a good character. The police chief. Yeah, yeah. he was. A, he was. A, yeah. He was a tormented man, and he's trying to solve these uh, strange mysteries that are happening in the seacoast community. Seacoast community, and uh, then of course you discover. I, I, the thing about that book that I wanted to do is I didn't want to throw the horror in at once. I wanted to kind of build up some of the characters and then have the supernatural come into effect. So when the first supernatural thing happens, which, you know, that's in the bedroom scene there with uh, with that man, uh, then it kind of builds up from there. But it's it's... It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slow build up to that, so you get to know the situations and the characters, and then hit them with the horror. Yeah, and they hate, you love them, you hate them, which is what you want. Yay and boo, um, yeah. That's what's important. That's the one thing I try to do in my writing is always have, like you talked about the cardboard characters you see in a lot of horror movies that are brought in there just to be killed. You know nothing about them. You could care less about them, right? But you there. They're there to become like meat, you know. Like, <laughs> let's, find a, let's find a way to gory to kill this character in the most gory way possible, but we don't know anything about him or her. You know, they're just there to be slaughtered. Very. Uh, what do they call I them? Just, Star I, Trek, right? They call them the blue shirts or something. The red shirts. They get killed all the time on Star Trek. Yeah, but you know, yeah, you don't care about them. No. I mean, you, you, 
you want to have characters that you care about. Like, uh, like for instance, uh, a movie like, um, not a horror movie, is well, it's a horror movie, but not in that general sense, is uh, Saving Private Ryan, where you have that small platoon of soldiers going to try to rescue that one uh, that one guy they want to bring back from the States. And you get to know all these characters, and as, as, as things happen to them, you really feel for them, you know, because you've got to know them. And I think that's the most important element in a horror story. If you're going to write a good horror story, is care about the characters, their situations, their problems, and um, then you, then you, like I say, you either root for them or you hate them. But uh, that's what that's what that's what I always try to delve for. So no matter how crazy the supernatural element might be, the thing is that the characters are there and believable, then you can accept the story. Yeah, and any of these things, you just have to, you know, kind of suspend belief just go, go with it just go with all movies tv <laughs> like you know we're saying like the ant what do they call those ant people <laughs> the anties <laughs> oh those anties those anti misfits <laughs> i gotta look at that is it like the fly where the fly's there and the face is on david Hedison's face is on the fly are these the anties like that yeah, well, no, no, they're they they're human looking, but they're not human. I mean, they just have that kind of like a like a twisted kind of a human feature to it. But they're you just yeah, check them out there. Like I say, they they, they still kind of creepy. I remember when I first saw that episode as a kid. Again, I had to check under my bed covers every night because I thought, shit, if I see one of these things under my covers, I'm gonna freak. You know, <laughs> I mean, you look at them now, you can tell they're puppets in essence. But but they uh, yeah, they just at the time they they. they not scary, just really creepy, you know, like Mickey kind of itch thinking about them, you know. Yeah, they're having one of those or like they're in your food or something. or something, ew. Okay. Well, check those aunties. We have to. And please check out Stone's books. I am going to link you up, of course, to his Amazon author page. He has so many great books. And check out his horror stories. I like them. I don't really read, as everybody knows, I really don't read fiction. But I do read Stones <laughs> because he writes some really good good stuff. And uh, and I love Stone. And Stone, what spooktacular would be the same without you? Oh, I feel the same way. It's always a highlight of the year to talk with you about uh, the weird and the bizarre and, at this time of year. Yes, and fun and kind of scary. No blood and gore, everybody. You're going to really like these things because they're just maybe, you know, they're not like, you know, I don't know, Ozzy and Harriet, whatever, The Adventures of, Get It Stone, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> we were Sorry. talking about Ozzy and Harriet earlier. And uh, they're just nice, and they're fun to watch for, for Halloween without, you know, thinking blood, gore, all that other crap. They're not going to slice their throats, and blood's not going to gush out or anything like that. Sorry, that's great. They rely, <laughs> yeah, they rely, they rely on suggestion and that that you can't see, which is always, I think, in, a lot more effective in most cases. I think so, because I close my eyes with all that other stuff if I'm watching something. It's, it's, I don't need to see that. Anyway, Stoney has his new book. Again, tell us the name. Uh, Playground of the Dead. I love that name. And a new publisher from... Hellbound Books, and uh, yeah, you can uh, check that out too if you want. I send you the uh, the link to the website there. You can see other books that they're publishing yeah, as well. And shout out to the publisher. What's his name? I want to say hi, publisher. And oh, that's, 
That's my friend James Longmore, who's an author as well. Great guy. Like I say, I'm really thrilled to be working with him uh, on these new on these new books, and I plan to uh, stay with them for the long run. I think at this point, I've been with a lot of publishers in my time, but uh, this I think is the one I am the most pleased with. I'm so happy because you do deserve it, Stone. You guys will love Stone's books, and you will love Stone, and I love Stone, mm. and everybody. Oh, and I love you. <laughs> How about I don't drink. I don't drink wine. (laughs) I never drink uh, wine, but I think uh, we should have a glass of wine when we eventually do meet at some point. I know. We will, because I'm having a glass of wine by myself, everybody. Whoa. Is it it, it red wine? It is red like blood. Uh, Yes, it's a dry red wine, and it's divine. You got to have a glass with a spooktacular. I have to. I have to admit it. Anyway. I love you guys. Thank you. I love Stone. I'm so excited for you, for your new book and your new publisher. And check out these things. I'm going to link you guys up to a bunch of stuff. And like I said, Google on New Cube and you will find a lot. Anyway, thanks, everybody. And happy Halloween. (laughs) Sing us out, Stoney. Come on. Okay, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thanks, everybody. You didn't do the Monster Mash. Do a quick one. We can't sing the whole song because I'm going to go black. <laughs> I don't think I remember the lyrics at the moment there. Okay, oh, so... I, I, huh? Maybe, maybe I can give you the first couple of verse or something there. Yeah, just a verse. Because I'm working in my lab late one night when my eyes beheld in eerie sight. And I think that's all I can remember. <laughs> Ow, Monster Mash, ow. That's enough. Anyway, thanks, Tony, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy Halloween. Take care of your cats and your doggies. There are a lot of weirdos out there. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye, Tony. Bye-bye.